Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. It's Mariah here of Mariah Creates, and today I'm covering all of the types of, well, type. I predominantly use photopolymer plates for my printing, since about 99.9% of what I do is custom work for my clients. But we've talked about all the plates, and even welcomed Shelly and Max Otto of Concord Engraving uh, to the podcast before, and you can actually tune into that uh, from season two and learn more about the process. But what we haven't really talked about a lot yet is actual type. Um, we've touched on it here and there throughout our episodes. Um, so this feels like a necessary guide to the different types of type and how to set type and a few other things you should know um, when you're going to print with type. Um, for those of you who don't know how I got into printing, I originally got a tabletop Kelsey and that came with some bits and pieces of lead type. It didn't come with any full sets or anything, but some fun ornaments and little printing blocks and things like that. When I got my uh, Chandler and Price, which was my second press, and uh, it came with a few more things, a few more uh, boxes of borders and some spacing material and an unopened package of type, that kind of thing. So, you know, some of us collect a little bit of, of type here and there. Uh, maybe you're really deep into this and you have a whole cabinet full of different type and different type cases. But for those of you who have not printed with type of for. This is kind of your quick and dirty rundown of how to set type and how to print with type and all of that. Um, it may be confusing because letters are backwards. You uh, set type upside down, left and right, and that all just gets a little confusing. There's lots of tools uh, and things that you kind of need to set with type and print with it. So um, we're going to get into all of that, what, you're need, what you'll need, what you might want to have down the road or, you know, maybe put on your Christmas list, that kind of thing, and whatever else you might need to know about printing with type. So let's get into it. So if you listen to our history and heavy machinery episode, which was one of our very first, you'll know that movable types went around for many centuries. It began as ceramic, and then of course wood printing blocks were commonplace for quite a few centuries. And then our friend Johannes Gutenberg discovered um, a durable alloy that would work well with a mold. This gave movable type a solid debut in the 15th century. So now there are a few foundries that are still making new lead type, um, new wood type, and of course, countless resellers of type all around the world. Um, if you do a quick search on eBay or Craigslist or whatever other marketplace you look at, there's all kinds of type available, wood, metal, all of that. Um, if you don't mind a quick shameless plug, we actually have several of uh, the new foundries and the resellers of type listed in our handy letterpress supply guide, which is of course available for digital download at Hot Off the Press Podcast. Com. And don't forget, your purchase supports the podcast. We are working on having a few of these folks join us in future episodes too. So hopefully we'll be able to get into the actual process of making type, which is absolutely fascinating. So uh, stay tuned for that. For now, we're going to talk about setting type, hand composition, and printing with type real quickly. So there are a few things you're going to need besides the type itself. And most of these just make life easier. Some of them are absolute necessities. So we'll start with those. 
first, you're going to want your type. Um, this seems pretty obvious, but you know, and then you're going to need some spacing material. And that is actually used to make spaces between words or letters if you're trying to, you know, kern your type at all. And it's important to know that this has to correspond to the size of your type. So if you're using 18 point type, you're gonna want 18 point spacing material. Um, you don't really wanna go buying space material first, um, unless you know you happen to come across some, why not? But let's get real for a second. We don't <laughs> usually all have all of the things we need in our shop, right? So if you're starting out and you're like, okay, but I want this, this type is 16 point and this is 18 point. If you have to, a point size smaller for spacing material will work. So if you have 18 point and 16 point type, I would probably buy 16 point spacing material and use it for both. But that's up to you. We'll let you be, uh, you know, use your discretion on that. But um, smaller, okay. Bigger, not, not gonna work. Um, you're also going to need leading or slugs, which adds a uh, space between lines of type. And you can purchase this in longer uncut lengths and cut as needed, or you can purchase like a rack. Sometimes they come in like a little box that has different sets and all different sizes. Um, and the thicknesses is kind of up to you. A lot of it is thinner and that's good for, you know, in between lines. Thicker pieces are going to be great for the outside of your forms to help keep everything locked up. You're also going to need furniture, which is spacing material in a wood form that's going to be used to lock up your type form in the press. So that'll be either in like helping you lock it up in the chase or locking it up in the bed of a flatbed press if that's what you're using. And you're with your furniture, you're also going to need coins with a key. And those are basically little expandable, uh, you know, devices that there's a couple different varieties, but when you use the key, turn it, it expands just enough to tighten up your spacing. Um, so with the furniture that keeps your little form with your type compact and allows you to uh, keep all the pieces secure while you're printing. Um, so those are, I would say, kind of the absolute necessities. The rest of these items are going to be helpful. They're going to make you, you know, your typesetting faster, easier, etc. Um, that those things would be a line gauge or a pica pole. They're kind of the same but different. Um, pica poles are usually square, and then line gauges are usually flat and metal, and you can buy those pretty readily available. You're also probably gonna want a composition stick. Those are fairly easy to come by on eBay and such as well. Um, and that is actually what you're gonna set your type into before you move it onto your galley or into your chase, etc. Um, it's just really helpful for organizing your type and keeping it all kind of together while you're setting the lines and the words. So I would say this is kind of in the necessities, but could you set type without it? Yes, you absolutely could. Type cases, these keep your letters organized in a way that is convenient for, um, you know, based on letters. It's like the QWERTY keyboard, right? It's kind of you know, what you use most are going to be kind of in the center. Um, and then your uppercase is on the right, etc, etc. You may want a mallet and a planer. This is just used to make sure all your type is level and even before you lock it up fully. Um, this will help prevent damaging any type when you do put it on the press for that first proof and just make life easier in general. Could you use a regular mallet and a piece of like hardwood? Probably. The next thing would be bodkin or tweezers. A bodkin is also kind of like a tool for uh, making holes or eyelets in like leather. So you've probably seen this around before. Um, and then tweezers. And these are both used to get into some tight spaces between letters. If you need to pull out a tiny little E to replace it with something else, or you messed up your P's and Q's, um, this is where you're gonna want those little, those little things to get in those little nooks and crannies. So a bodkin is great because use it um, to kind of levy the piece out and then you don't risk like with tweezers you could squeeze and if it slips it could damage the typeface a little bit so you know use whatever works for you but um, if you're using tweezers maybe just be careful then you could dive into things like rule curving machines and rule benders love that turn um, 
circular and angular quads, type saws, miters, all of those things to make your types perfect, um, to make sure that your lines are perfectly even, all of that. But we'll, <laughs> we'll have to save all that for a future episode. And if you have the room, or maybe you found a really good deal on one, maybe you have a whole cabinet with type cases, um, which would be ideal. You can always have a whole variety. Um, and just remember, if you are working from a type case and you've never worked or from a cabinet and you've never done that before, if you're pulling a case out, they can be super heavy. So move slowly. And if you need help lifting it, getting it to somewhere safe, <laughs> be sure to ask for help because I've even lifted some, especially with the larger point sizes, they can be really freaking heavy. You have to remember that these are lead, right? So, or lead-based metals. So they're very heavy. They're very dense. That's kind of the whole idea. So, all right. Well, that's a nice long list of the main tools. Um, and that should cover it for now, but let's get into how to print and how to set that type because obviously that's what we're here for. Okay, so first you're going to figure out what you want to say and have a general idea of how you want it to look. I know that that seems really obvious, but I had to mention it. You know, whether you have a printout and a similar size font, um, if you have any questions about points and pikas and your font sizes versus your type sizes, feel free to refer back to our other episode about, uh, I believe it's called What's the Point? It'll go over the difference between all of those and how you can take your digital designs to a typecase and set it. So first figure out what you want to say, have a general idea of how that's going to actually lay out. And, you know, ideally you would know kind of what your line widths are going to be like, how long are these going to lines going to be? Or maybe you're printing on a specific type of paper that is, you know, you want a one inch margin on that. Okay. So how much print area do you have? That's a measurement that's important. Once you have that, you have everything that you're going to be like typing uh, that you're going to be composing. It's a good idea to count your sorts. So go through that typecase or through your bucket of type, whatever you have, and make sure you have enough of all the letters you're going to need, spacing material, etc. Um, now you're going to grab that composing stick that we talked about. And for all my visual people, myself included, I'm going to try and describe this to you. Um, you can just Google like composition or composing stick and it should come right up too. But for reference, so you picture a tray-like tool. It's kind of long and skinny. It's like, you know, three inches by different lengths. There's different lengths available. Um, it's made of metal, has three sides. So the bottom, which is called the head, the right end, which is known as the end, and then the left side and the left wall is actually an adjustable piece called the knee that has a clamp and the foot um, is the top part. So that's kind of flat. It doesn't have an edge. So that's the, the fourth side that doesn't have the wall, right? So it all sounds a little crazy. We'll sh I'll share some links and graphics, but just trust me. So um, you're going to want to remember that the bottom is the head, the right side is the end, the left side is the knee, and the top is the foot. You're going to hold your composing stick in your left hand. Um, if you're left-handed, you're going to have to figure this all out yourself. But traditionally, <laughs> nobody was left-handed apparently. So um, you're going to use your uh, four fingers to kind of hold the weight of it. So your four fingers are going to hold the bottom. And then your thumb actually kind of reaches around. So it should be able to reach all the way around to kind of hold um, the other side of the bottom. So it's hard to picture. I know describing it is always difficult, but you'll get it. You're going to hold it at kind of a downward angle. So your fingers are kind of angling towards the ground and that'll help keep, uh, help gravity just keep the type at the bottom for you. So, um, then you're going to adjust the knee. So you'll adjust it closer or farther to the end based on the area that you want to print. So when we talked about how big is your margin, how long are your lines, that's where you're going to adjust the length to. And, um, you can adjust this later if you need to, but it's much easier to do it before you have any type in there and risk messing up what you've set so far. 
Okay, so you're going to want to start your composition with a slug or a lead, um, slug or leading. And that is um, going to be a little bit shorter than the length of your line. And if you're not sure how long it's going to be, you can always go back and swap it out. But just make sure it's as close as you can get to what you think you're going to end up with. Um, and that it has a little wiggle room on each side. It's not super snug within the knee and the end of that composing stick. To keep your form secure down the road, you're actually going to start each line and end each line with an M quad. And um, we'll you know, drop a little handy graphic on social media and in our show notes, but um, you want to use these M quads and make sure that they are uh, keeping your lines even and that'll keep your type secure on side to side. So you have the leading or slug on top and then you have the M quads on these sides and that will eventually keep your form more secure. So then time to start actually setting words. Um, when you look at lead type, you'll notice that one side has what's called a nick in it and has a little, just a little ridge kind of on the side of the piece of type. And that is the bottom of the type, the piece of, uh, or the letter. So you're going to set your type with nick facing up towards your thumb, towards the foot, that flat side with no edge to it in the composing stick. And you're going to set the letters upside down from left to right. Uh, this always makes my mind like flip a little bit when you look at it because like the letters are backwards, but they're the right direction. And it's very confusing. Like at first, you just kind of have to trust the process. It's like backing up a car in the mirror. You know, you just have to like trust that like your hand is doing what it needs to do and just like on instinct because if you overthink it, you're going to like mess it all up and do it backwards. So just have a little faith um, and remember upside down, left to right. And also remember to start at the knee of your stick, which is the left. So um, towards your fingers at the bottom left. And again, using gravity to kind of hold the type up. Great. You're then going to use some spacing material in between your words and to fill the end of your line to make it even with the rest of your lines. Now, this is where justifying centering or, you know, left or right aligning comes into play. That's how you're going to adjust your spacing. And you can always add spacing in between letters too, if you want to kern your letters. But um, it's really just personal preference on how you want to align your words and your lines. But centering is very difficult, but it is also beautiful. So maybe that's important to you. Obviously, the traditional method is less left justification, which is why you start on the knee side and you work your way up. So hypothetically, if you're trying to do something, a paragraph uh, that is right aligned, then you could start at the end rather than at the knee. And et voila, you would have a right justified paragraph. So there you go. That's where that all originated, I think. And then once you've done that, uh, you're just going to make sure all your lines are really snug uh, from end to end. And you want to make sure that they're all even and you have the kind of the right amount of spacing material, they're right over that knee. You can also, their spacing material should include whatever you purchase it from. Uh, generally, it'll include these, but if you don't, you might want to get some. Um, but they have little thin copper or brass pieces. They're different thicknesses because the metals are different types, right? Um, and if you have to, you can use some of those to make sure it's nice and snug, but don't too, put too many of them. It can make the line kind of spring apart once you actually lock them up in the, in the form. Um, and then one other note on uh, small spacing material, you're going to want to always use your smaller pieces close to your type with the bigger pieces on the outside of the line. And in between lines, you're always going to want leading or slugs of some kind. And it doesn't matter how thick, you can use the thinnest ones you have. You can use really thick ones if you like that look, um, but you're always going to want letting and slugs in between lines and always want smaller spacing material closer to your letters, bigger spacing material closer to the outside of your form. Um, I think those are kind of the main points that I'll touch on. And then once you're done setting the type, you're going to wrap it with some string or page cord, wrap it a couple times and then tuck the ends in. You're not supposed to not tie a knot. Haha, <laughs> get it? 
um, because then it's hard to release the form, which, you know, anything with type, if you, the first time you set type, let me just explain this real quick. The first time you set type, <laughs> you're going to mess it up or knock something over at one point, and then you're going to have to start again. And then you'll learn to not tie the knots, to always use the gravity, to have your thumb on the composing stick, the last piece of lead that you've set, so on and so forth. You're going to learn like how to not mess it up and not knock it over and not make it slide off your thing and have to do it all over again, because it, it is definitely a, uh, very time, uh, like a labor intensive, takes a long time process. It's, you know, it's a lengthy process. So you're going to want to learn really quickly how to not mess it up along the way. Um, but you will, you know, trial and error will teach you that lesson better than I could ever do that on a, on a recording. <laughs> Once you've got your little string wrapped, not tied, then you can give your form a little test. So you can grip the top and bottom slugs on the outside with your pointer and thumb and use your other kind of knuckles to hold in the sides and give it a good wiggle kind of all directions without lifting it. Make sure it feels secure. If that feels secure, you know, maybe give it a little lift, but not like fully off of the, off of the surface. Like I would just make sure that nothing's gonna slide right out of the back. And then if that all feels good, everything feels secure, your lines feel really even and you can kind of compact them and they feel secure and safe, nothing is bowing out or slipping or falling through, then you can move it. And I be, by move, I mean slide very carefully off of that uh, top edge, uh, the foot that doesn't have an edge to it. You can slide it right off of that onto whatever next surface you're gonna work with. And once you've moved it to a flat surface, that could either be um, a flat area that you're going to combine it with other forms or to a galley tray or a flat surface where you're going to put your chase uh, around it, then you're good to go. Now it's time to lock it up. So locking up a form literally means using coins and furniture to uh, put a kind of build up an area on all four sides of your form and locking them into the chase so that you can move it onto the press and get printing. If you're using a flatbed press or proofing press, um, you can kind of do this in the bed of the press. If you're using a platen, Heidelberg, windmill, uh, or Chandler and Price, etc., you'll do this in a chase and then move the chase to the press once it's all done locked up. Um, so for those of us with a removable chase, you can just set it around your form on that flat surface you're working on. If you're working on a flatbed or proofing press, you can move your form into the press and we'll start there. Then uh, you're going to want to um, measure the height of your form and get slugs for the two sides that are left. So you have slugs on the top and bottom already, which is great. And those are, if you did it right, shorter than the lines of your text, right? So this is where that comes into handy. When you put slugs on the side, you want to make sure they're not touching the ones on top or bottom. You want to make sure there's room. So when you compact the sides, they're still not touching those slugs on top and bottom. Uh, very important note and same thing applies for furniture. So you've got your slugs on all four sides. You're going to want to go ahead and get your furniture. You're going to start uh, with furniture on all four sides of your form. You can do one side at a time, whatever works best for you. Um, you don't want a top and bottom piece touching either of the side pieces of furniture. So again, this like, you're going to be compacting this form from all four sides. And once it's compacted, you don't want any of the uh, slugs or the furniture to impede on that. You want to make sure there's enough room for all of these things to squeeze it as tight as you can without um, running into another piece. If a piece of furniture from the top blocks a piece of furniture from the side, then you go to lift that chase, it's probably gonna fall right out, or at least it's gonna be loose, which could be absolutely damaging on the press. Um, so that's kind of important and you will get the hang of this um, and I will share a video that will show you how to do this exactly for all of my visual, visual people. So 
you've got your furniture, you're getting close to the edges of your chase or your bed uh, of your press. Now it's time to make sure that you leave room for coins and um, you only need two coins really. You could use three if you want, but um, I do believe some of the people in the Facebook groups frown upon that. <laughs> but uh, two coins is really all you need um, and you're gonna want to put one on top and one on the side. I believe that there are specifics as to which side you're supposed to do depending on your press and your feed direction. Um, so don't quote me on that and feel free to write us if you have a specific answer you want us to share with the class because we will absolutely pass that along. Troy, I'm talking to you. Send us a message and we will share it with the class. So make sure you leave space for your coins when you're setting in your furniture and you don't want to usually put metal on metal. So coins are usually metal. I don't know of any wood ones, but I'm sure they exist. Um, so no metal on metal, which means you're going to want to put a really thin piece of wood or even a piece of furniture between your chase and your uh, coin just to make sure there's no metal on metal contact. And when you're leaving room for your coins, don't forget that they need room to actually expand. So maybe try one out with your key if you've never done this before and see how much room it actually expands and leave that um, or almost that so that you get a nice amount of pressure, but you still have plenty of room for the coin to expand enough. Um, so again, trial and error will help you understand how much space and how much furniture you actually need um, and what types of coins you have will impact this as well. They come in different varieties and different sizes. Um, but before you tighten those coins, the last thing I would do is get your mallet and your planer or your piece of wood and your mallet and make sure that all your types even. Just a light tap on top to make sure that everything is kind of set down in there and it's all on that flat surface, which means your print is going to print evenly. Hugely important, right? Once you're confident in that, then you can tighten one coin most of the way, tighten the other coin, then go back and tighten the first and so on and so forth. Once your coins are tight, just slightly lift an edge of the chase, just slightly, not all the way up, to make sure that your type is snug. And if anything slips or wiggles, set it down. Um, I also like when you're setting it back down, it's good to kind of keep an eye on your type just to make sure that nothing gets pushed back. Even if you didn't necessarily see it slip, maybe it did slip a little bit, you might catch it when you're putting it back down. Um, if anything needs to be adjusted, just loosen your coins, add, remove spacing material as you need to make it right, and then you should be able to pick up your chase and nothing should move. Remember, we're gonna be taking that chase all the way to the press, putting it on the press, and then running the press. We need to make sure everything is super secure. Um, and whether or not you're to print right away, you wanna make sure it's ready and good to go, and then you are all set. If you are gonna be printing, then you're good to go, enjoy. If you're not gonna be printing, um, you should probably loosen the coins to prevent any damage or bending, um, mostly of your furniture and your type, uh, et cetera, but just set it on a flat surface where it's gonna be safe until you're ready to print with it and just unlock the coins, leave everything else as is and you'll be good to go next time. And then you're all set and it'll make make ready way easier next time around. So that's how you set up type and uh, printing we've covered in other episodes. Um, so I'm not gonna get too much into that, but once you have printed and you're ready to clean up, you can just bring your chase back to a flat surface. Um, you're gonna wanna clean it while it's locked up just to make life easier because everything is easier to handle that way. Um, if you've ever tried to clean a tiny piece of type, you'll know what I'm talking about. And a quick note for anyone who's printing with wood type. Everything else applies. You know, you don't necessarily, if you're printing with like larger wood type, you're probably not gonna use a composing stick. You're probably gonna set it on a flat surface or in the bed of the press and go from there. Um, but things like 
uh, letting and slugs and furniture and coins, all of that still applies. Um, you're still going to need all of those things. And um, as far as furniture goes, you can often find whole cabinets of furniture, maybe not complete, but they'll have a good variety for you to use. Um, I've definitely know a lot of people who have used wood from the hardware store to make their own. So, you know, get crafty with it. That's totally okay. This is one of the areas of letterpress that's not super like... <laughs> not super specific. It just has to be less than type high and strong enough to hold up to being, you know, printed a couple thousand times, which, you know, no big deal. And then if you have something like a photopolymer base from Boxcar or another provider, the lockup process is the same for that as well. So this kind of is used for everything. I mean, I use photopolymer for almost all of my printing, but I still have to lock up my base and, um, lockup scoring rule, all kinds of things like that. So the process is applicable no matter what you're printing with. And uh, hopefully this has all been helpful. If you do have wood type and it needs a little TLC, you can use the Gojo original, not the one with the scrubby bits, which on a side note is absolutely awesome for cleaning your hands after using lead type, by the way. Um, you can use that Gojo original to help get some of the ink off of your wood type and kind of recondition it. Um, a soft bristle toothbrush um, can also be helpful, but just don't use anything too abrasive. And whenever you're using wood type, no matter what, do not use anything water-based. Um, we all know that wood swells when it gets wet, um, and even a little bit of contact can be harmful. So um, something to remember, and otherwise, happy printing! All right, friends, it's time for our favorite segment of the season, Printmas! So each week, Jillian and I have been doing a little giveaway, and we have been giving away all kinds of things like ink and gifts from the printer's fair, some die-cut tags, a letter from Santa, and today we're giving away a set of holiday cards from yours truly, from Mariah Creates. I have a variety of different cards, so I'll include a couple of each design, um, and you'll have a head start on sending out all the cards to your favorite people. You just have to go to our Instagram, which is hot off the press pod, and leave a comment on the social media post for this episode. If you leave a comment or bonus entry, if you share it, you can do both. Just share it on Instagram stories um, and that'll tag us in it. If you do either of those things by Wednesday, the 23rd of November at midnight, we will pick a winner on Friday, the 25th. If you celebrate it, happy Thanksgiving. If you don't, hope you have some great food and some even better wine this week. And we will be back next week with our next episode and our other giveaway. So have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>